Hi, this is Laura, and a big hello to our podcast subscribers. Hi. And if you haven't officially hit the subscribe button yet, please do so at your favorite podcast app. You can also watch the show now on public television. Check your local listings for the day and time, or watch the premiere each week on the World Channel, Sundays at 11.30 a.m., Eastern. We're also live on YouTube. The show remains ad-free thanks to you and especially to our Patreon partners. Feeling left out? Join them at patreon.com forward slash the LF show and become one of our possibility making partners for as little as three dollars a month. You are the wind at our backs. We couldn't do this without you. Thanks. Now on with this week's show. Hi, I'm Laura, and this is The Laura Flanders Show, a TV and radio program that shines a light on the solutions of tomorrow today. We report on the people and movements driving systemic change from the worlds of politics, arts, and entrepreneurship. Welcome. Safety is about quality of life. You know, we, we say that, uh, that safety is not only the absence of violence, you know, it's the presence of well-being and the infrastructure to support people in their, in their respective healing journey. In order to get people trust, you have to let them know or let them see that you care about them. Our street team is more like a family to me. We're really trying to make a difference in our community. The only way people of Newark are gonna get justice is if they have a voice. Public safety. How do you define it? And what role do you see for the public in stopping violence, shaping the economy of a place, and transforming trauma into public health? The people of the South Ward of Newark, New Jersey, have seen the worst. Over-policing, under-representation, lack of opportunity. Sometimes around here, the sound of police sirens seems never to stop. If this place, the South Ward, is to feel safe to the people who live here, what's that gonna take? want to describe a little bit of what we're driving through, Damon? So I actually used to live on the corner here. I remember maybe last year, a young man was killed right there. And this is right down from the brand new precinct, mind you. So I used to live here on the second floor. What are the options for a young person growing up around here? There's not many options. Uh, that they have uh, outside of uh, joining those street organizations. It's kind of like inevitable for them. And how do you explain that? What do you think happened here? I think, you know, much of the economic structure and, 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 and the tax base left to go somewhere else. So for, you know, 60 years, you know, we, there was just no development taking place. Tell me about growing up. Tell me some of the fabulous things about it and then some of the more difficult My things. My childhood in Newark, uh, 
I used to go to the skating ring, the movies. Like, we had a good childhood. Like, we'll go to parties and have fun. It might be a fight, but nobody's dying. Like, now it's like, it's different, way different. What are the kids that age going through now? Selling drugs, killing people, shootings every day. What's that about? Youth organizations, just going at it with another youth organization. Some people would call them gangs, right? Yeah, gangs. You don't use that word. No, I use youth organizations. You know, they when they say gangs, they make it seem like it's bad, the worst. Like some, and sometimes it is, but not all the time. You were in one of those organizations. Ah, uh, yes, I was. As growing up, yeah, I was. What? I was. Um, I was 15. What did it give you that you were looking for? It gave me like love. I felt, I thought it's love. You know, love and um, just somebody being there for you. I'm Malik Lattimore, a resident of, a lifelong resident of Newark, New Jersey, 50 years old, um, formerly incarcerated. Um, I did, uh, my last incarceration, I did 15 years, 14 and a half years in prison. When I initially came home as a youth, I reached out to individuals um, for, for employment, you know, and it was like, you're ex-felon. No, no, you did, you did time, you don't have a work experience, you don't have a work history, you don't have this, that, and it was like really a, um, a pushback to the streets. Like, you know, every avenue I went, it seemed like it was a barrier. And, you know, um, the only thing that was inviting was, um, unfortunately, was crime. I don't wish I wasn't in an organization, but sometimes I wish I could change a little of how I went about it. Because I dealt with a lot of things, a lot of things. Like? Almost lost my life. So. Talk about that. I was outside. It was the summertime. It was like a cookout slash block party type thing. We were chilling. Um, a car ride up. I seen a guy run out the backyard and he started shooting towards where I'm at. He wasn't shooting for me, but the person that I was sitting next to, he was shooting at them. The first gunshot went off and hit me. I fell. Minutes later, more gunshots went off and it hit him, but they continued to hit him. Me, I played dead. And then I'm like, Brianna, look over. I looked over at my best friend. He was dying. I lost a lot of blood. Um, my lungs collapsed. I had to learn how to walk again. What do you want for Newark? What do you want oh, for this? Sport? The violence to stop. Like, the violence to stop. Um, everybody just coming together, you know. Um, tired of losing friends. I just want the violence to stop. First race riots since those two years ago in the Watts section of Los Angeles rocked New Jersey's largest city, Newark, for five consecutive days and nights. At least 24 persons are killed. More than 1,800 wounded, some 1,400 arrested. Two days after its beginning, police are augmented by National Guardsmen. Snipers make the streets a battlefield. Governor Hughes terms the rioting open rebellion, just like wartime. My name is Dax Devlin-Ross. I'm an investigative reporter with Type Investigations. 
you know, 1967 happens, you know, a year later this Hughes report comes out. The war on drugs begins in the 1970s, 1980s. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. You start to see this, you know, this, this police department that is beginning to just be able to operate with impunity in the community. And then in 1991, we encounter this pol the, the beating of Rodney King. This grainy footage that we kind of look at as this historical artifact is a significant turning point and is actually the beginnings of a movement to create some kind of tool at the federal level to address police accountability and police misconduct. Where we are now and where we are when the DOJ first came in and did their investigation and found that Newark uh, was in uh, deep, 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 having deep issues around violating people's constitutional rights, 75% unwarranted patterns of racial discrimination and excessive use of force. Our work uh, with trying to make sure we uphold people's constitutional rights, improve the relationship with the community, uh, here has also equaled uh, a reduction in crime. In fact, we have some of the lowest numbers of murders in this city since 1961. So I had an opportunity to sit down um, with the mayor. And one of the things he was, you know, he pointed out to me was that he saw the, the, the consent decree as the floor, not the ceiling. And by that he meant that the consent decree gave cover for a number of other projects and programs and pilots even in the Newark Community Street Team as part of this, you know, these initiatives and these innovations that were designed to bring community voice into the strategy. A lot of places have experimented with giving the public some kind of oversight over police. But here in Newark, New Jersey, they're taking that one step further. The Newark Community Street Team, composed almost entirely of lifelong residents, uses its social networks, its friends and family, to convene conversations with police about public safety. And now they're not only meeting regularly with the police forces, they're helping to train them and they're helping to determine how the police and the public interact. I am originally from Los Angeles uh, in a small community called Watts um, that has a big reputation in history. Um, grew up in the Jordan Down housing projects there, the youngest of 10 kids, um, participated in, you know, the, uh, what many social justice activists call the longest running war in the history of this country, which has been urban street gang wars. Fortunately came out of it and, and, and uh, uh, played a significant role in, um, in bringing an end to a lot of the violence in my community. You became a broker of a mm -hmm. peace accord, can you talk about that? This was LA 88, 89, this was the height of the wars. 1,100 murders a year in the city, 1,500 in the county. This meeting was historic, you know. Um, 1,500 gang members from all across the city came together. We organized a peace treaty between the four housing projects that, um, you know, changed the quality of life in our community. How did you, coming out of that experience, come to be doing this work? I came to be in Newark through um, Mayor Rasparaka. 
who's uh, been a good friend for uh, close to 25 years. He called me up and was like, hey, can you bring some of the brothers out here to educate these young cats on what you guys have done with Grape Street? Your work is all about localism, but you're from L.A. Do you find any resistance to your presence doing this work here in New Jersey? <laughs> when I first got here, people was like, yeah, the mayor brought this guy from Cali in here. Well, get out of here, you know. Had all types of challenges and stuff. However, the rebellion in, in Watts and in Newark, they started with law enforcement. Over-policing communities, um, the excessive force issues, it's been going on for over 100 years. Um, and we still haven't figured out how to resolve it um, until now. Our work is essentially about shifting, like, you know, the, the uh, community's perception of, of so-called gang members, engaging them in the, uh, in, the, in the public safety process. And so our analysis was that in many cases, we know all of these individuals, um, but yet we, have, we don't have the tools and the skills and sometimes the resources to be able to bail them out of the situation when they're in crisis. So what is the job of the public safety officer, as you understand it? My job is to uh, supervise uh, police officers, uh, firefighters, and, and Office of Emergency Management personnel. One of the key, key positions here is, uh, is crime. Crime has always been a, a, a problem here in the city. Uh, and I have now the opportunity, now I've been working with uh, Mayor Baraka for the last five years. And the difference? Everybody thinks that crime comes from, you need more cops. But, uh, you know, he comes on board and he looks at their social ills that create crime. You know, there's education, there's poverty, uh, there's unemployment. And, and he looks at that. But I think one of our biggest strategy is bringing the community on board with us. You work with the Newark Community Street Team. Had you ever worked with any organization like that before? And what is distinctive about that experience so far? When you talk about the uh, North Community Street Team, uh, you know, when, when it was brought in by Mayor Barack in 2015, uh, you know, people frowned upon it. You know, there, there's, there's going to be a group of people that were former gang members. They were, they were involved. They, they were incarcerated. And, uh, you know, they're a breath of fresh air. If we have, uh, you know, some type of violence happening in an area, we call upon them because, you know, even though we're building trust with the community, there's still, they don't have total trust in the police where they can go into an area and be, you know, they're trained in conflict resolution. Uh, they're trained in de-escalation. They're, they're, they're in the trenches with us. This shift that's taking place as a result of the Newark Community Street Team, but a number of other things that are happening in the community, but specifically something like a street team is profound and it shouldn't be in any way kind of underestimated the impact that it can have if it's successful in a place like Newark in terms of being able to be replicated around the world and around the country. This is The Laura Flanders Show. I'm Laura. That was Dax Devlin Ross, investigative reporter for Type Investigations. We've been on a tour of Newark with the Newark Community Street Team in New Jersey, reporting on what it looks like when public safety is put in public hands. The Newark Community Street Team work provides a way of thinking about some of the demands of advocacy groups, such as the Movement for Black Lives, Reclaim the Block, and Black Lives Matter. Tell us what you think and become a Patreon partner today at Patreon com forward slash the LF show. You are the fuel that keeps this show 
trucking forward. And members have access to our new series, The Story Behind the Story. This week, Matt Colicello, our creative director and communications director, Jeremiah Cothran, talk about making the episode in Newark, what went into it and what they took away. We invite you to engage by adding your stories and questions at patreon.com forward slash the LF show. Thanks. Next, we catch up with one of the street teams on their weekly outreach walks, and I speak with the director of field operations, Damon Durden. First, though, here's Come On, Come On by Scott Hardkiss, featuring Lisa Shaw from his album, Technicolor Dreaming, courtesy of God Within Records. So here we are, my dear friends, gathered together again. Celebrate bittersweet life So here's to our struggles and strife Let's make the most of these hours Till time defeats all with its powers And let's make the most till the dawn Keep on going Until we are gone Keep on going so come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, we're going to take our time, y'all. Damon Durden, Director of Field Operations for the Newark Community Street Team. We did have a shooting uh, a week or so ago over here. And so we're just familiarizing the community with our services that we offer and other things going on in the community as information, all right? We can actually start with these stores right here and speak with them. DJ, help us with that pace. Just kind of keep pace with the other side. Our community walks are basically to get in touch with the community. Patrice Walker, member, Newark Community Street Team. We're out here to try to stop violence, and how we do that is we engaging in to getting to know that person, to getting to know somewhat of a life they've been through, and try to interact or try to be in their place. You know, it's always a good night. We're making it home back safely to our families. I pray that the uh, walk ended well, but pray that we all make it home safely. Uh, just thank y'all. The community walks are just one of the things you will do. Yes. Can you go down the list? Okay, well we actually uh, do what's called safe passage. That's our entry level uh, uh, work in the community where we can be in and around schools making sure children get there safely and return home safely. Safe passage is me being at the school, making sure kids get back and forth into the school and out the school. Brianna McRae, team member, Newark Community Street Team Safe Passage. This week, how can I say, it was a shooting by my school. My teammate, <laughs> he works at North Star, he's amazing. He was outside. He got all the kids off the bus stop back into school. We have a high-risk intervention team where we're uh, mediating conflicts in the community, uh, individual conflicts as well as group conflicts. And the last thing we have is our victim services, uh, where we offer those that are survivors of crime wraparound services. 
I think the Safe Passage program that we call our entry level program introduces us to the community. Uh, let's the community uh, see us doing a service that everybody respects. Everybody loves children. Nobody thinks that children should be harmed. So that gives us a way into the community. What I do, I go into the communities and I try to prevent crimes from happening beforehand. Malik Lattimore, high-risk intervention team leader, Newark Community Street Team. And I think that me being in this position has helped so many others because, I've, again, I've been a person that's been committing crimes or being uh, accused of committing crimes for years. So for law enforcement or whoever to see me change my life and then the people in the community to actually see me change my life, it's been a real uptick in the people that's, who are doing wrong wanting to change their lives. So I think that's was really positive for me to see. Now you said that some of the people who are your team workers have been part of the problem. You used the third person, but don't you count yourself in that number? Definitely, definitely. I actually was uh, convicted of a crime and sentenced to uh, life in prison. Damon Durden, director of field operations for the Newark Community Street Team. I uh, actually served 22 years in prison and in there kind of started doing some introspection and wanting to change my life and decided when I got out I was going to do some things different. And lo and behold, our wonderful mayor was elected, Mayor Ross Baraka, and he started the North Community Street Team. And after training and working, I came in as an outreach worker and did safe passage and everything. And, you know, just was able to b begin to serve my community again. I grew up in a war zone where it was a part of our rites of passage to want to go to prison. Akila Sherrills, director, Newark Community Street Team. I thought that I would be dead or in prison by 21, 22. And what happened instead? I went to college. I was always a pretty good student. I graduated from Jordan High School, got accepted to Cal State Northridge. I had a transformative experience there. I met a woman who held space for me in a way uh, that allowed me to talk about uh, being sexually abused as a kid which created a tremendous amount of challenge in my life, just navigating that, not knowing how it was actually affecting me, right? But, uh, but that transformative moment was the thing that actually changed my entire life and, um, and put me on this particular path. I realized that I never questioned the violence that I witnessed in the neighborhood because it ultimately meant to question the violence that I experienced in my own household. And I didn't have language uh, for it. I didn't have the courage to confront the perpetrator. But I had a professor, uh, Johnny Scott, who grew up actually in Watts, he uh, really impressed upon me the importance of, uh, of reading and, and knowing my history. Um, the evidence of things not seen by James Baldwin was a life changer. Um, Claude Brown, Man, Child in the Promised Land. Those things politicized me. They gave me courage. They gave me voice. I decided that, uh, that maybe we could hatch two birds in one sit, right? In terms of exposing my, my secret as a gift to give to those who have had a similar experience and, and then try to stop the killing that was happening in that neighborhood because I realized that, that there was a correlation. There are no outlets in the neighborhood for people to talk about the sexual, physical, and psychological abuse that they suffered in their own personal life. And, and it's the root of a lot of the violence that we see happening in the neighborhood. And our cries, you know, they fall on deaf ears because we've got labeled as gang members. And you know, that, that label, we didn't give it to ourselves. It was meant to desensitize the public. It was meant to dehumanize the people behind it. And so therefore, um, we spent decades trying to change that narrative so that people can actually see our humanity. 
and, um, and invest in our healing. This is one of my favorite food places on the planet. All right, let's go. Yes. I'm Chef Vonda McPherson and the owner of Vonda K's Catering Events and also Vonda's Kitchen. I was born here in Newark and um, it's nice to have a wonderful business here where you have such a supportive community. With Newark, the wonderful thing is, is that we've been through a tough time. The struggle has been hard and I just don't want to see a situation where we take in so much of new developers and things and they build these communities that don't necessarily include Newarkers. And we just want to make sure as you come in to be a part, but we don't want you to own our city. You're working on creating an investment fund. Mm -hmm. What's it called and how will it operate? It's, um, it's called the Shared Equity Community Fund. And um, it's essentially a fund to organize people's capital so that we can actually um, do some collective buying and collective bargaining in the community. So it's like, how do we help people like kind of acquire wealth? And then how to utilize their wealth collectively to improve the quality of life of, of the individuals and the communities in which they live. So ultimately that's the aim. Public safety and community development go hand in hand. You can't develop a community without a, a, a robust public safety strategy. So as we decrease violence and crime in the neighborhood, now we need to bring investment um, for those same people to, to buy property, to open up the businesses, to build the infrastructure in terms of healing services. There's a whole social services economy that needs to be built here because of the decades of, of traumatic stress disorder, hypervigilance, and vicarious trauma that people have been um, suffering from in this community. Collectively, when people start really realizing that healing is needed, right? You need to heal from this stuff. Like, it's nothing that you can just, you know, internalize and it's just over with, right? Um, once we see that and we see that that can ultimately help people, I think that's kind of like where we're at in the city. We're like collectively trying to heal. So that I got with NCST, it's just a healing process. Our street team is more like a family to me. It's more like a family. We really, um, we're really trying to make a difference in our community. So we're looking for the peace officers, which is us, to create peace in the community, right? Because shared safety is, is, is important. That understanding that, you know, public safety is shared. It's not just domain to law enforcement. No community street team, they creating something real special here. I, I don't want to miss out on this ship. This ship is, is, is going to go to sail and there going to be no rough waters though. You know, as we're moving out, we're moving it out as we go. One of the things that we say at NCST is that, you know, safety is not just the absence of violence and crime, but actually the ability for uh, the most vulnerable amongst us to thrive and have hope. And so we, we look to kind of offer that to them by looking at us as an example, that we can show and take this message throughout the uh, country.
Did you know you can watch this show on public television? See, for example, the Newark Community Street Team in action? Yes, it's true. We premiere every Sunday on World Channel, Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, and then syndicate throughout the week to over 100 public television stations nationwide. Check your local listings, and if they're not airing the program, contact them and ask them to add The Laura Flanders Show. You can find more information and a whole lot of background info at our Patreon site. You don't have to become a member, but you get a lot of extra stuff if you do. That's patreon.com forward slash the LF show. It's our Patreon supporters who keep this program independent and advertising free. So join this independent media ecosystem that is determined to raise the voices of those with viable models of making real change. Like what we're doing? Thanks for listening. Give us a review and think about becoming a member at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the LF show. And thanks. This show was produced by yours truly, Laura Flanders, with Charlotte Carpenter, Matt Colicello, Jeremiah Cothran, Mercedes Crostiaga, Jeannie Hopper, Nat Needham, David Newman, Rory O'Connor, Ryan Holtz, and Jake Ratner. Music and sound included Shining Skies by George Georgia, Come On, Come On by Scott Hardkiss, original sound imaging by Jeannie Hopper, and additional music by Oh Boy, Isaac Joel, and Ghost Beats. Major funding for this program is provided by the Novo, Tomcat, Cloud Mountain, Fonda, Park, Shift Tides, and the Poss Family Foundation, as well as listeners like you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing. Thanks for your ideas. Stay kind. Stay curious. Till the next time, I'm Laura. <laughs>